welcome to this episode of Women to Women podcast series. Our guest today is Deborah Pan Dorner. She's the founder of Bond and Matter, a healthcare communications agency servicing pharmaceutical and biotech clients. Deb's lifelong passion for two seemingly disparate disciplines, science and writing, became the driving force behind creating a company whose mission is excellence in both. Deb received a Bachelor of Science degree in chemistry with a minor in writing from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and a Master of Science degree in biotechnology from the John Hopkins University. In her spare time, Deb runs the Instagram account at Science Chickies with her seven-year-old daughter, Ileana, and enjoys sharing the science experiments run out of their kitchen or lab in Westfield, New Jersey with children across the country. Hi, Deborah. Welcome to our Woman to Woman podcast series. Hi, Devia. Thank you so much for inviting me and for this great initiative. Super excited. No, we are so glad to have you here with us today. So before we get started with any of the specific questions, uh, we would definitely want to know, how did you come about with Bond and Matter? What's the story behind it? It is sort of a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. Um, you know, in my, in my life and in my childhood growing up, I've always been fascinated with science, particularly chemistry. Um, but also writing. And I think that for many years, I was at odds with how to reconcile having these two passions that seem so disparate. So as I was growing up, as I went to college, even in my first job as an organic chemist at Merck um, here in Rahway, New Jersey, I just felt like even as a chemist, my, my passions were leading me to want to continue to write, to create, to do something creative. Um, and I couldn't figure out a way to do both. So eventually I landed in the world of the creative agency space in the pharmaceutical industry. And I finally got that ability to kind of satisfy both sides of my brain. Um, and it was there that I realized that I had the capacity to do so much more than um, just only being a medical writer. I had the ability to kind of lean into my creative side and lean into those areas that I hadn't previously really considered that I could do as my career. And one piece of advice I would give uh, younger women or younger folks in their careers is to lean into those sides that you may not think that you can kind of explore. Um, even if you have a really strong track or your degrees are leading you in one direction, it really doesn't mean that you're you need to be pigeonholed or limited by that. So Bond and Matter came about as um, I spent almost 20 years on the agency side of the business, supporting pharmaceutical and biotech clients. You know, over a period of years, I grew more and more confident in my ability to kind of try my hand at entrepreneurship and say, what if I could do this on my own or with a partner? What if I didn't have to be part of a larger organization and be a cog in a wheel supporting somebody else's brand or somebody else's vision? Um, and that's where the idea for Bond and Matter came from. It's a group of folks who kind of like myself have that push and pull of creative and science in their DNA um, and want to do something great with it. And I think we've been really lucky so far. We, we, we started in August, uh, sorry, October of 2020. And in the past six months, we've been lucky enough to gain some really great clients and try our hand at entrepreneurship. So working in a nine to five job or a corporate job is very, very different from entrepreneurship. So anything that you learned when you were trying to make that transition that you had not realized when you thought about starting this? You know, it's funny, Divya, um, <clears throat> anyone working on the pharmaceutical agency side knows it's already not a nine to five job. So there was that 
that we had that kind of basis, um, my partner and I, to know that it was going to be even more than our typical agency jobs, which sometimes around the time of product launch or FDA approval can be uh, quite, you know, quite lengthy days. But I think because of the pandemic, interestingly enough, starting a business during this time where we're all home and our work lives and home lives and motherhood and parenthood have been so blurred, it seemed pretty seamless, actually. Uh, I think one thing that I have to be disciplined about is when it's time to shut the laptop and time to, you know, be the wife and mother that, you know, I want to be and kind of turn on the other part of my brain. But admittedly, you know, we're, we're not perfect. And as a working mom and an entrepreneur, um, sometimes those lines do get blurred and I find myself distracted. It, it takes some discipline and definitely a lot of hard work. So growing up, uh, what were a couple of your core values that you kind of held on? I think certainly integrity. You know, that's something that my parents um, really instilled in me growing up, the integrity of my work, making sure that I didn't take shortcuts, that I was really in it 100% to kind of put in the hard work that was required to get the good grade or to play a musical instrument well. Um, and I find that that I carry through a lot with me, even in um, the founding of Bond and Matter and what some of our founding principles were, that we don't want to take shortcuts. We, we want to get to the best, highest quality, highest uh, integrity work that we can. And I think our clients respect us for that. Another thing is, I think, you know, and I'm not sure what other people feel, you know, at my age, but I feel very much like I still hold on to a lot of the same ideals and tenets as I did when I was a child. So sometimes I feel like I'm viewing the world through the lens of myself as a seven-year-old or my seven-year-old daughter. And I think that the curiosity, the sort of uh, scientific kind of um, optimism that things will get better, that we will find cures for things, that that drives a lot of that drives a lot of what I do and the way I see the world. Were there specific people who really helped you shape your life and make you who you are today? I would say without a doubt, my father. Uh, my father, he came from Taiwan. His dream was to be an electrical engineer, but also an entrepreneur. And I think because of the language barrier um, and because he was an immigrant to this country, uh, he was not able to pursue his dream of entrepreneurhood. Um, so that kind of stuck with me, but I, growing up, I never really thought um, or dreamed that I would one day be starting a company. Some of the things he instilled in me were just a love of math and numbers. He was, you know, a great mathematician as well as an engineer. And we would just spend many nights at the kitchen table after dinner. I can remember talking about math, talking about science and astronomy and the stars and all kinds of things. And if nothing else that I took away from some of these is that my dad is a really good storyteller. And one of the ways he connects with people is regardless of the topic, whether it's math, whether it's science, sports, was always through storytelling. And I think I took a lot of that away with me um, as I went to college and as I made new friends in the workplace and beyond um, and realized how important stories are in connecting people to each other. After um, a certain point, you know, a lot of people talk about having mentors and how they influence them. So did you ever seek out a mentor and what kind of mentors did you have and what kind of value did they provide to you? You know, it's an interesting question because a lot of people seek out mentors. Um, but in my case, I think that my mentor actually sought me out. 
And it's kind of an interesting story. You know, I would say about 10 years ago at my, uh, at the agency that I was working at before starting Bond and Matter, there was actually a male mentor, um, a, a colleague and a friend who just kept pushing me saying, you know, I think you can do more than this. I think that there's a, a different role for you that really seemed like a stretch role. It was completely outside my realm of what I thought my capability was. And it was a lot more client focused where I had been um, sort of in a role that was more of a medical strategist role that was not um, as client facing and certainly didn't require a lot of leadership. I was more of an individual contributor. Again, mixing that blend of writing and science, but not so much in a more creative role. And so my friend at the t and colleague um, said to me, I think, Dev, it's time for you to break out into something a little bit that showcases some of your other talents. You know, you're a great communicator. You know, you really connect well with people. You love telling stories. I think clients would really appreciate your leadership. And I think that you would do well to figure out how to lead a team. Again, this was 10 years ago. I thought, you know, I'm not ready for that, but he pushed me and he said, consider this your mini MBA. Consider this an opportunity that you're going to get paid to, to go back to school, so to speak. Um, so I took that role and I continued um, being mentored um, by my now friend. Um, and, you know, 10 years later, I'm happy to say that we mentor each other because um, I decided uh, when the time came that, you know, we should partner together to start Bond and Matter. So this person, my mentor, is actually my co-founder, Sid Gokhale. And uh, I've been very lucky to continue learning from him. And I hope that um, in some small way, he thinks that he's learning from me as well. So this is a very niche area, right? And not a lot of people who are scientific in nature or in the bent of their mind are writers as well, because they, they kind of don't go classically, they don't go together so much. People who are um, just getting out of college or getting into college, but want to do something like this, what would your advice be? Where should they start? Great question, because I had so many of the same questions as I was graduating um, from MIT with a degree in chemistry. I've always loved to write, so I took the initiative to take some writing classes while I was there, but never really considered that that could become a career. It was a hobby, or at least to my parents, it was a hobby. And to everyone else, they thought, you know, maybe I've had a couple pieces published and I, I had a blog and I would write things on my Facebook, but it was never something that could be parlayed into a true career. What I would suggest to younger folks who have sort of a disparate um, seeming skill set or two sides of their brain that are, that seem, are seemingly at odds with each other is to make sure that they take the time to water and nurture and grow both sides. Because you never know where that could take you. Um, I would seek out opportunities to take stretch assignments in those other areas. I would seek out roles that didn't seem as you know, traditional um, for their degree, perhaps. Um, but because you never know where it, it's the most wonderful thing, I think, in the world when you have the opportunity to, to nurture both sides of your personality and both sides of your brain. Um, and those kinds of opportunities don't always find you. Sometimes you need to seek them out proactively. If you had to do things again, what are a couple of things that you would do differently? I think in my earlier career, I would have taken more risks. I would have tried some 
you know, I, w I was trying to follow a straight and narrow path. I mean, as the child of immigrants, you know, you are told kind of certain things you need to do to excel. You need to get good grades. You need to not get in trouble. You need to join the right kind of activities, make the right kinds of friends. And I think along the way that can be very narrowing and, and sometimes can allow other people, you know, people in your, in the workplace to unfairly pigeonhole or stereotype you into one mold or another. I think I would have explored some of the creative elements of my brain and personality a little bit earlier and taken a few more risks in terms of the kinds of roles. You know, in the end, I don't have any regrets because I have, in essence, taken the biggest risk of all, which is to leave a perfectly good, very stable job uh, at a larger agency and go at it uh, with my business partner as a true entrepreneurs. I think that that, you know, that ability to take a risk at this point in my life, I'm proud of, but I think that it would have been interesting to explore some of these other carve outs a little bit earlier. So you brought up a great point. Being children of immigrants, the expectations are very different because your parents are coming from a totally different world. They're trying to adjust while you are here, you are exposed to a very different world. Mm -hmm. What are some of the learnings that you had? They could have learned a lot of things maybe early on, but they were not here in those years. <laughs> and trying to establish themselves, what would you suggest uh, some of the techniques be or some of the things that really helped you? I would say as the child of immigrants who kind of, you know, came to this country specifically so that their children would have, um, you know, a really bright future, that the expectations are high. <laughs> um, and I think it can be very difficult sometimes to live up to those expectations while still wanting to be an individual, still wanting to pursue your own hopes and dreams. I remember my father saying, you know, you can study anything you want, but try to make sure that it's math and science. <laughs> um, luckily for him, I did enjoy those things. And, and my sister, you know, she studied engineering as well and also ended up in, in marketing in the end. I think that she and I, to be true to ourselves as well, we're great communicators. We love the English language, possibly as a result of our upbringing with my dad. We love storytelling. And so we were able to find ways to fuse, um, you know, our passions as well as our degrees together. But what I would say, you know, as a general rule is that, you know, our, our parents are so driven to give us the best education they can. It would be remiss if child of immigrants didn't also follow somewhere their own personal passions and dreams and find a way to meld the two together in a way that is acceptable to everyone, I think. Because I think that's what it is, it's expectations. You know, there's not, being born in this country, your, your world is so full of possibilities, but it's important to remember where you came from and, you know, some of the sacrifices that our parents and grandparents uh, needed to make in order for us to be where we are today. For women, again, you know, one of the challenges is right when you're making your critical career moves, when you're growing up in your career, you also have a family at that point. So in your experience, what worked for you juggling a family life and also trying to make you mention, you know, 10 years ago, you found this uh, peer mentor who really forced you to go all out. I'm sure that was also the time where you were trying to make a lot of changes personally. So how, how did you balance that? What worked? I was lucky, I think, um, to have some mentors and bosses who were open to um, remote work even then. So even 10 years ago, I would say, you know, one or two days a week, um, there was flexibility 
in my schedule. I know that's not possible for every type of career um, and, and every woman's career is different. However, I will say that because of the pandemic, everyone seems to be a lot more open to that these days. I think the flexibility is key in, in juggling motherhood, especially of a young baby or toddler and, you know, having a high power career. You know, the demands on women are intense and are, they're intensifying, especially with the pandemic. It's important, I think, to make time to, to realize that life and career can be a little messy and they don't need to be completely siloed that they can overlap in some ways. And I think I get my best work done when I find ways to overlap career and motherhood in a way that's you know mutually beneficial for both. So what I mean by that is sometimes uh, I'll wake up super early and just get something done that I know would just otherwise not get done during the work day or if I need to do um, something with my daughter's school later in that day. And that way I feel like I've already checked something off the list and it's 6 a.m. I also do quite a bit thinking and creative ideation sometimes after she goes to bed. And there's that flexibility now inherent in the way we work in 2021 that didn't exist um, when our parents were our age. So you have seen corporate life, you have seen agency side of the life, and now you are looking at entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. Women along the way that you either worked with, worked for, or worked alongside. Did you ever notice them making certain types of mistakes that you would now looking back, think about and say, oh, something we should not be doing? I've actually experienced women um, in my personal story, I think not standing up for other women and not supporting young women when they want to kind of take a risk saying this person, and it's happened to me as well. You don't have enough experience. You're too green. You're not ready for that. And I think you know, it's not so much now. I think uh, women of our generation um, are trying to mentor younger women a little bit more. But I've had um, women earlier in my career who were 10, 15, sometimes even 20 or 30 years older than me kind of try to hold me and other young women back. I don't know why that is, but I think it can be very damaging. Um, and I think that that kind of sort of negativity can really you know, can be frustrating at a time when, like you said, we're trying to start our careers as well as start a family. And there's just a lot of confluence of events that's happening that can make it hard to get out of the gate into a leadership role. One thing I have noticed for me in particular is it has been helpful to find a group of peer women, not necessarily in my job or not necessarily even in my industry. I have four or five really good friends from high school. We all graduated the same year. And we all are in completely different fields. I'm in pharmaceuticals, another pharmacist, a lawyer, financial analyst, <laughs> and an architect. Um, but these five women at different, um, at such different stages in, um, in their career progression, we all sort of rally behind each other and share stories. And it's amazing how much mentorship can be found even in completely different fields and disciplines and how much of those learnings can be transferable. So that's been a really great stabilizing and influencing force in my career as well. Unexpectedly, it's with women who don't know the, the, the least about what I'm doing, but some of the experiences that we face um, kind of in the workforce, a, a boss that's really tough or having a situation where we're trying to juggle a business trip with an eight-month-old baby and how to handle what needs to happen in the interim, those things, there's, you know, relatability 
among the five of us. That's very fortunate. You have like a group, right? A core group that you can lean on, which is really, really fortunate. Do you think women are more tough on other women? Sometimes. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case in your experience, but I have experienced that um, in my career. And I'm not really sure why. I don't know if it's because, you know, they feel like there's only a certain number of spots at the top. And so to fight so hard to get there. But, um, you know, even in a creative field that does have more women, I do sometimes feel like women are more judgmental of other women. And um, it's something I think that, you know, we need to explore and unpack and figure out things that we can do sort of like what you're doing with woman to woman, where it's celebrated that we can help each other out. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we hold each other to higher standards for some reason, (laughs) maybe unconscious, anything um, or any instance where you thought you were not heard, like, and what did you do to be heard? So many times in my career, especially um, when I was a more junior person at the agency, I I did feel like my viewpoints weren't heard. And sometimes it's because, you know, like we discussed before, if you can get, if you get pigeonholed into, you know, she's a scientist, so she can't have viewpoints on creative or, you know, you get pigeonholed into a certain role. And so it's almost as if that your opinions on other areas of the business are not as impactful. Um, and, And one thing that, you know, I have found that's worked for me is, is putting things into writing. It's always been easier for me in those situations when I had people who were much more senior to me or who had much more tenure than me or just were more seasoned than I was in their careers in general to walk into a conference room. It can be sometimes daunting to stand up there and speak your mind when you're the youngest one on the team or the one with the least experience. But when I put my points down in writing and very cohesively went point by point with you know, all of the things needed to back it up, had the courage to submit and hit send on the email. I have found that to be very uh, empowering. And, you know, there's something and in, in it's the reason I love writing and words so much is that words are a great equalizer, I feel. Even the most junior person on the team with a really well-written, coherent argument or point can make themselves heard. So now when you look for somebody to be brought onto your team, what do you look for? It's funny because we're hiring right now <laughs> and it's not a plug for what a crazy question. And it's not a plug for bonded matter, but um, but it kind of is. You know, I take a lot of the things that I've learned into account. Um, I, I think a lot about ways that I have felt sort of marginalized or pigeonholed in the past. I've thought about things that my peer mentor, now my business partner, have said to me to try to get me to take that leap to push myself further. And I try not to stereotype based on what I see on the resume. I really try hard to kind of look beyond the experience on the page. We did that with one of our first hires at Bond and Matter. We hired a pharmacist. Um, his name is John. And he had no experience, never worked in an agency, never worked on the pharmaceutical side, straight out of Yukon Pharmacy School. But we said, he's bright, he's inquisitive, He has a scientific background, so he will be able to inherently understand the data. He's got a creative side to him. He's a good communicator. And those are some of the things we're looking for, the ability and willingness to learn and just a bright kind of inquisitive personality um, that, you know, you can feel like someone who wants to build a team with you, who's willing to take a chance on a startup um, that doesn't have, you know, the most recognizable name 
or you know a big 30-story um, building in Manhattan, but has really good people with really good heart who are trying to do really good work. If you had a chance, right, to spend a day with any two people in the world, who would they be and why? Hmm, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, I in thinking about this, it sounds cliche, and I've spent more time with her this year than probably any other time besides when I was pregnant. But my daughter is one of those people. I, I know it sounds really cliche, but I just can't get enough, um, I just can't get enough time with her. And you feel like as a mother, you know, especially as a working mother, um, where so much of our lives, you know, 10, 11 hours a day are consumed by work. You feel like there's just not enough hours in the day to witness the changes that they go through and what they're learning and exploring through their eyes. The other person I would choose is also a child, um, is my best friend's daughter, Tegan Ko. She's six years old and my daughter is seven. And I think the reason I'm choosing the two of them is because of something we discussed earlier. I really find it fascinating to see the world through children's eyes. Um, you know, I'll tell a, a short story that two years ago when Tegan and Eliana were four and five, we took um, a girl's trip to Manhattan. So Tegan and my friend Carolyn flew out from San Francisco. My daughter and I, we drove in together and we get, kept talking about the things we were going to see and how exciting it would be and the restaurants we would eat in. And all of a sudden they, they said, why? They asked a question. They said, why is it called Manhattan? Why isn't it called Womanhattan? And it, it's a question that never occurred to me. Like, you know, in the so many years that I've lived in the New York City metro area, um, and it never occurred to me that it's Manhattan. And from the eyes of these four and five-year-olds to put it together to say, you know, we're a bunch of girls and women going to the city. Why can't we call it Womanhattan for the weekend? And then we did. Um, it was just such a charming moment. And it, it made me sort of want to be near children of that age forever, because the things they say, seeing the world through their eyes is just extremely fascinating and, you know, and heartwarming. <laughs> so if you had a piece of advice for your daughter growing up, right, for tomorrow, what would that piece of advice be, just in general for life, to face life as strong as she can be? My daughter is a, is a much more confident person, I think, than I was at her age. Um, and it's great to see because Perhaps it's because, you know, growing up as a first-generation American, um, there's always things to navigate, you know, sort of as your parents are also navigating the country for the first time. But I think for my daughter, I would say to, I wish that she continues to keep that same level of confidence that she has now. Um, so not to change that. For her not to be afraid of being smart and having opinions and not always thinking that she has the the perfect answer or always the right answer, but not being afraid to think of solutions, whatever the case may be, whether it's, you know, on the softball field or whether it's in school or in a club or in a social situation. I, I think that a lot of us women of today, um, when, we, when we look at the younger generation of girls, see a sort of fearlessness that we didn't have. And it's, it's really amazing to see. And I, I hope that doesn't change. So any closing comments or advice for our listeners? I, I think that if I could impart any um, words of advice, it's really to be honest about where your passions and strengths are. I think a lot of times 
we can be influenced by our parents or our mentors or our friends that this is what you should do and this is what you're good at. But really to think uh, long and hard about what you think you're good at. Because for me, had I not explored um, some of these kind of deep-seated passions and talents, um, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing today. Thank you so much for that piece of advice and all the best with your company, Bond & Matter. We will be watching you and wishing you much success. Thank you so much, Divya. Thanks for this opportunity.